Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. Now, my listeners know that I am a constitutional conservative. Uh, That means, of course, that I believe in the Constitution. I love the Constitution. The Constitution is an incredible document written by incredibly intelligent geniuses 230-odd years ago. Uh, You also know that I'm a textualist, which means that I believe in the words of the Constitution. If you read the Constitution, it's written in English, but some of those words have a little bit different meaning uh, now than they did then. So if you want to read the Constitution, you need a dictionary from the 1780s in order to understand some of these words. But by and large, if you read the Constitution, four handwritten pages pretty much, um, you're going to know what it means because those are English words. Now, all of the Constitution is really important. But to me, when it comes to the parts of the Constitution that directly affect you and me as citizens of the United States, the, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, are absolutely the most important. And that's because they define our relationship with the government. Now, it's an interesting story about the Bill of Rights. Those rights are God-given natural law rights. And those Ten Amendments were not included in the original Constitution because the founders of this country, the framers of the Constitution, they knew that everyone in the country believed the exact same thing that they did, that those natural law rights were everyone's. Everyone had those natural law rights because they were God-given natural law rights, and they didn't think it was necessary to write them down. Fortunately for us, during the ratifying process, the ratification process Those ratifying uh, conventions in the individual states, people stood up and said, yeah, we believe this, but we think it's important that these Ten Amendments be written down so they are not ambiguous. There is no cause for concern that in the future someone will say, well, you never said this or you never said that. So thank God those first Ten Amendments were written down because every single one of those is critical for our for us to maintain our individual sovereignty, our individual freedom. Now, we've had programs over the years on every single one of those uh, Ten Amendments. We've had programs on the Ninth and Tenth Amendments, states' rights. We've had, article, we've had programs about Article 5, specifically the Article, article 5 Constitutional Convention. We've had programs on the Fourth Amendment, the privacy, extremely important, And, of course, we've had numerous programs on the Second Amendment because without the Second Amendment, 
the rest of the Constitution is pretty much unenforceable. But right now, today, the First Amendment of the Constitution, the freedom of speech, is under attack in a most curious way. The people who are using the First Amendment are using it to attack the First Amendment and by that means attack the rest of the Constitution. And that's the subject that we're going to be talking about uh, in our program with our guest today. My guest on Freedom Forum Radio is Dr. Jerry Chotner. He graduated from Duke Trinity College and Duke University Medical School, and he's a dermatologist. He spent 30 years in private practice of dermatology in Atlanta, Georgia, managing partner of Georgia Skin and Cancer Center, secretary treasurer for six years of the Georgia Society of Dermatology, past president of Georgia Society of Dermatology, past president of the Atlanta Dermatology Association. He is a native of McKeesport, Pennsylvania. He is married to Ann Spooner, a native of Sneeds, Florida, and she is a health information administrator. He has four children, three girls and a boy, and he says here that he's very proud that they are all Duke graduates. Now, I told him when we were talking that in our area, we kind of divide up into two camps. One camp is in favor of the Tar Heels, and the other are in favor of the uh, Tennessee Volunteers. But the one thing that unites us is our hatred of Duke University. But I won't let that bother me, and I'm sure that Dr. Jerry won't let that bother him. So, Dr. Jerry Chotner, welcome to Freedom Forum Radio, and thank you for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. Well, thank you for inviting me. Dr. Jerry, today, obviously, we're going to talk about political correctness. Political correctness, one of the greatest challenges we face today. So, first of all, what is political correctness? In the most simple in a most simple definition, political correctness is fascism disguised as manners. Yeah, fascism disguised as manners. Whose manners? Everybody but mine. Everyone but mine. You know, uh, what you're seeing, of course, is, uh, I don't know how you describe I'm just I'm just amazed at some of the things I hear, aren't you? I think anybody that is conscious of the erosion of our freedom of speech would be aware of what's happening with political correctness. So um, what, what constitutes, what, what are the, how would you define political correctness uh, in kind of a usage point of view? Give me examples. Uh, for instance, what are trigger warnings and stuff like that? Well, a uh, definition of political correctness that I found useful was found in Wikipedia of all sources. And political correctness can be described as the term that's used uh, when language policies or measures that are intended to avoid offense or disadvantage to members of a particular group in our society. You want examples of uh, political correctness? Uh, Well, we cannot refer to uh, Indians and cowboys anymore. What are they? Native Americans, and I guess we'll have to call them cow people since we're not allowed to use gender-specific terms. Well, I always played cowboys and Indians when I was a kid. I don't know about you, but that's what we did running through the woods. So what would happen to me if I did that today? Well, if you were on a college campus, you might have to go before the Judicial Council for committing a microaggression. 
a microaggression. Uh, now, there's a term that I've heard before. It causes me to shake and shiver that I might be guilty of causing a microaggression. I know what microsurgery is as an ophthalmologist. Is it anyway related to uh, microaggressions? Uh, well, well, give you an example of microaggression. The word political correctness is in itself considered a microaggression at a school such as the University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee. Really? Yes. How does that work? Well, if you are accused of a microaggression, you might have to go before the Judicial Council, and the penalties could be attending a week or two or maybe a month of diversity training and sensitivity training. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. We'll be right back after a quick break. My guest on Freedom Forum Radio is Dr. Jerry Chotner. What does the word microaggression have to do with diversity or sensitivity? Our liberal friends, unfortunately, are so concerned with whatever we may say that it might be offensive to any of the minority or ethnic groups. So they're afraid that someone might be offended. That's absolutely correct. I assume, Dr. Jerry, that you have read the Constitution. I sure have. And if you've read Article 1 of the Constitution, you are you have probably read, to me, the most important of all the amendments. And maybe that was why it was put first. Well, let me ask you, having read the Constitution, you and I both have, is there anywhere in that document? the right not to be offended? No, sir. So someone's making something up here, is it not? You're absolutely correct. What do you think the history of all this is? Well, if you trace the modern history of political correctness, it actually began with the Nazis. In fact, as reported by the New York Times, the term was used, you had to be politically correct if you wanted to work in the broadcasting industry or the print industry at that time. In other words, you had to support the Nazi party. You had to support the Nazi party if you worked? All the tenants of the Nazi party. Wow. I bet you that's something most Americans don't know. Well, they're about to find out if more of us would start speaking out. So in the 1930s, when, the, when Hitler was coming to power in, uh, in Germany, uh, if you said the word Nazi or something like that, you couldn't be in the newspaper. Is that correct? Of course, they could not get a job. In fact, today, and this is one of the dangers of political correctness, if you say something offensive, you can lose your job. You know, this is uh, obviously something that we're going to discuss uh, and, and needs to be discussed because how can you have true freedom of the speech if when you say something, uh, when you say something, you could lose your job for it? I mean, we understand from Oliver Wendell Holmes that you can't yell fire in a crowded auditorium we all know that that there are reasonable limits on free speech when it would cause real harm to people if you yell fire in a crowded auditorium and people are killed in the stampede mm-hmm. to get out that's not allowed but i don't think anyone's getting getting hurt physically 
killed, maimed by saying a word. Yes, I agree with you 100%, but we're not, we're not supported by a lot of our more liberal friends. In fact, I was just reading not too long ago where 40% of the millennials, according to a recent Pew, study, Pew uh, Foundation uh, study, 40% of them think it's okay for the government or their schools to restrict speech that may be found offensive by any minority group. Well, that's kind of interesting, I would say. Don't you think that uh, uh, in the, that's really not the real world? I mean, universities are not the real world. Unfortunately, that's the future leaders of our country that are being indoctrinated by these extremely uh, liberal professors, many of, whom, many of whom were hired during the period of diversification, or as I call it, diversification of the faculty of our universities. These people came with limited cred- academic credentials, and they came with an agenda. So they came as professors with an agenda. We all know that. I mean, that's been unfortunately painfully obvious to all of us. But, you know, the the real hypocrisy here is they want to limit our speech, but apparently they could say anything they want. That's absolutely correct. So uh, what else in terms of the history of political correctness should we be brought out? What happens in the 40s and the 50s? Well, after the Nazis first used that term, later on the communists developed that and uh, the use of the word political correctness. And then the socialists that were not as dogmatic as the communists uh, used it as a pejorative against the uh, communists. And then later on, the liberals started being politically correct and uh, it was used by the conservatives to describe the behavior of uh, these lip, uh, liberals that wanted to limit the way we speak. So it progressed from that so that uh, probably mainly in, it was very evident that if you were in a debate or something like that, uh, you had to watch out what you were saying and, and, and stuff like that. But now it's gotten – I mean, how, how can you even have a debate now? I mean – I don't know how I could debate anybody on anything. Well, I don't think you and I would have any problem debating it among our friends, but if we were among a liberal group, uh, they might object vehemently. And unfortunately, if you were under the confines or the administration of a college campus, uh, you might have to uh, be disinvited to speak at that particular place. Or if you were a student, uh, you might be subject to discipline. So political correctness is a term used to describe language policies or measures that are intended to avoid offense or disadvantage to members of particular groups in societies. What are some of those politically incorrect words that, that are around? Well, I made a list of them uh, primarily for the talk that I, was, that I, am, going to be going, that I am going to give uh, very shortly there. Uh, the term redskin is uh, politically offensive. You have to say a Native American Indian. In fact, I'm going to be showing a cartoon where uh, a person has one of the Washington Redskins T-shirts on, and the Indian raises his hand and says, no offense. 
And he says, well, I appreciate that. And he says, well, you don't have any defense either. <laughs> but right. anyway, uh, some of the other uh, areas, you, can't call, you cannot use the term retarded anymore. The person must be intellectually challenged. A Christmas tree is no longer a Christmas tree. A holiday bush, it's called. And the terms B.C. and A.D. referring to, as I knew it when growing up, before Christ and after death, or as it was uh, before the common air and Agno Domini. Of course, you and I in medicine knew it differently. We knew B.C. and A.D. to mean in pain management, in pain management, before codeine and after Darvon. But today, uh, they want you to use the term before the common air and after the common air. And I was alluding to it before, but uh, terms such as miss and missus, girl and boy, he and she are no longer permissible because they are uh, indicative of gender. In many places, want you to be gender nonspecific. An so, Easter egg, one, one place was termed a holiday sphere. And, of course, we come to the word illegal alien. And we have all heard it on the news, and all of our politically correct newscasters never use that term. What is the term that they use? They use undocumented immigrant. Immigrant. That's, I always like that term because what it kind of indicates that these are people who would be citizens except, except that somehow their paperwork got messed up somewhere. Mm-hmm. To me, they're illegal aliens, and I think to everyone I know they are. But I guess that the words short and fat don't, don't cut it anymore either. Well, I have an interesting, interesting story to tell you about short and fat there. One person referred to me. Uh, I had seen this patient in the emergency room as I was covering for the emergency room physician whose wife was having a baby. And I referred him for his skin rash for follow-up to me in two weeks. When he returned after two weeks to see me, I, I forgot that I had seen him, and I asked him who referred him to me, and he says some little short, uh, some short little fat doctor. <laughs> but uh, today he would not be permitted to say that. He would call me vertically challenged with dietary concerns. Vertically challenged with diet. You know, you have to actually be pretty intelligent to figure out some of the replacement words, don't you? You know, one of the things that always the, the gender stuff is just really, I mean, it just blows my mind. I saw you like manhole. What are you supposed to call it? A person hole? A person hole or a, a utility hole, but you can't, or you can't say woman hole either. <laughs> you, have to, you would have to say a people hole, I guess. Right. Well, I, I mean, it, it really, you started to hear with something like you couldn't be called the chairman of anything. You had to be the chairperson. chairperson. I mean, I could. I mean, I guess I could sort of see that. I mean, because, you know, gender does not determine that position. But, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Cowboys and Indians, Redskins. I guess radical Islamic extremists is out, too. You know, it's interesting. They don't like the word Redskins. But... The state of Oklahoma actually means red people. Well, I guess there's going to be a name change coming up. There might be. You know, it was very selective with the people that I call the politically correct police. It's very selective what they pick on. 
And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Once you hear Dr. Dan, weekends on WJRB 95.1 FM, you'll know he's right. Really, this is a nation that is built upon the concept of private property ownership. As a matter of fact, the right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Catch Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum, Saturdays at 8 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. on the Talk of the Mountains, News Talk 95.1.